0: You're listening to episode number 13 of the Boys Built Better podcast. Today, we're talking about connecting with your child and using that connection to support your child emotionally. Welcome to the Boys Built Better podcast. I'm Jessica, a mom of three boys who is just trying to do things better. I'm coming to you from Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live with my husband, our boys, and a whole lot of four-legged friends. I'm here to share my thoughts on raising boys in today's world, find answers to your parenting questions, and chat with experts about building happy, healthy boys. Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Today, I am interviewing Amber Olson with the Kaleidoscope Project, and we are talking about supporting your child's emotional health. And how you can remain connected to your child and then use that connection to continue to support them emotionally. So let's cut on over to the interview. Hi, Amber. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing well. I wanted to start off with an icebreaker question. And this is, you might not, this may throw you for a loop, actually, because we are recording this in December. But I'm going to ask you like a January question since this episode's going to go up in January. Uh, have you at all thought about what your new year's resolutions might be for this year, next year, this year, it'll be this year when people are listening to it.
1: Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good <laughs> question. I, I think that I've thought about it just to keep calm throughout the season of the, you know, Christmas madness, but I, so I just kind of stopped to remember to breathe But I think that for me, I tend to be look at like the big picture and want kind of that right away. And I then I lose focus. And so for me, I'd like to go into the new year with just being really intentional of um, less is more. You know, I kind of had that for my 2018 vision, but really like parenting my project, um, my relationships with people, like less is more. And I think we tend to, you know, want more and that's going to kind of fill us up and it's going to be better. But I, I kind of want to just keep it that way. So.
0: I love that. I think that's a great thing to, for everybody to kind of keep in mind. I feel like I set that kind of quote unquote resolution for myself a few school years ago at the beginning Yes, And maybe that's something I need to think about for the for the new year, because I had set a resolution for myself to not be busy because mm-hmm. I was feeling for a while completely overwhelmed with being busy. But it was more an attitude and less like what was actually happening. Right. And I kind of feel like that ties together, like really kind of breaking things down and just being present and in the moment and um, less big picture and more that moment. So I yeah, love that.
1: that- yeah, I mean, we miss all the good things, and then, and then we, and then when we look back, we're like, I, I didn't, I don't, I know that happened, but I don't remember it. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so f-
0: you mentioned just briefly about your project. So for listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about it, uh, a little bit about yourself, and your, what you've got going on?
1: Yeah. So I am the founder of my Kaleidoscope project. We are a nonprofit organization that uh, works and um, with middle school girls that are that are struggling uh, emotionally uh, with everyday life, with their school, their home life, their their activities, their confidence, and really, it's very uh, tool and skills based of giving them tangible ways to work through their feelings and emotions in constructive ways. So we go in and uh or I go into these schools uh and hold uh usually it's about 8 to 9 week class session so it's like every Monday or Thursday after school for an hour and a half with 10 to 12 girls. Uh the first couple of classes are kind of just getting to know you. They want to be comfortable with me and each other and then we really dive into why I'm there. And anyway, so that's pretty much the basis of 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 cl- what kaleidoscope is and what we do and our focus is on those girls giving them emotional emotional tools.
0: Well, and that is exactly what we're talking about today. You and I kind of met and talked a few months ago and recognize that we're both kind of have a lot of similar ideas. You're more girl-focused and I'm more boy-focused, but that what you were doing is also super relevant for boys. Yes. So we're talking today about acknowledging your child's emotions and understanding that that those are emotions are a really crucial part of growing up. So can you tell us a little bit about your story and why – like how you came to start this project and why working on emotions is something that's important to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited today also just that we're talking about boys too, because they're overlooked and, and there's so many uh, different organizations and clubs for girls, you know, and boys, I mean, outside of sports and, you know, boy scouts and Eagle scouts, like they're just kind of overlooked. So I'm glad we're talking about this today, but Kaleidoscope was born, really like back in 2013 in my heart, it was born. I knew eventually uh, with my life that I would want to work with the middle school girl. I just didn't know what it looked like. My middle school experience was really brutal. And I know a lot of people say that, but for me, it defined a lot of my choices that came after that. And luckily for me, I had a very supportive home, but At school, it was just a disaster and bullying and wasn't talked about then, you know, there was in the kindness campaign or uh, the movement of bullying and all that it encompassed wasn't 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 around then. So in counseling and therapy wasn't, you know, talked about either. So I as much as support I had at home, I was kind of left on my own at school and I was just trying to do the best that I could. And, and not only was I bullied, but I was harassed and my character was, you know, uh, slandered. And so from that, I had all this pain, right. And all these questions in my mind of who I was and why I was here and confused. And and it was double edged sword because that's just part of being a girl and growing up and our hormones and our makeup. Right. And so. Uh, high school was a lot better, but unfortunately, I just had all of this doubt and, and uncertainty, and so I ended up not making very good choices in high school and after. Uh, when I was able to get the support I needed, I had a lot to work through, and it wasn't until I had my daughter that it kind of all clicked for me as far as having something uh, where uh, that I would be able to— um, Use And anyway, having her and her and I have quite the story as well with maybe sh- or some trauma she had when she was younger, abandonment trauma, that uh, we were able to get her into play therapy. So with my therapy, her play therapy, I kind of just kind of pieced all of this together and uh, books and research. And anyway, knowing I'd work with the middle school girl again, Um I kind of just started putting it all together. So in 2013 is when I really started writing and a curriculum of what I wanted to do. And then in 2015, Kaleidoscope was born.
0: Can you talk about why middle school a little bit too? Because that's kind of the focus for today is that age. And why is that age so important emotionally?
1: I think middle school girls remind me of that first day of school. I picture again, it's, it's, it's personal for me. So I picture them sit, standing on that campus and they're really like at a crossroads. I feel like there is so much coming at them and they don't know which way to go. Right. Like they don't, they, there's all this pressure coming at them, uh, and, and social pressure, academic pressure, and they, they're just trying to find their footing. So I, I envision them like going one way, you know, making maybe not the best choices and the other way of like a battle they're facing mm-hmm. right and it's it, it's it's also coupled with all of their hormones are changing uh, their choices are changing their uh, their influence is changing and they just want to be accepted and they just want to be seen and they want to fit in and they don't want to be left out mm-hmm. and 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 they and they 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 want to but they still want to please you they still want to please their parents and their teachers and their and their friends, but they're just—I don't know. I sometimes I feel like they—they they are silenced at the same time because they're—I don't know—they're kind of looking at it at a distance as well. Of like, like I said, like they're just trying to find find their footing. Um, and I think boys as well, right? Like boys, it's just looked at differently. You know, their maturity is obviously different than the girls as well.
0: Right, well, and I was just reading an article, and I can I can link to it in the show notes, but it was about sort of the 12-year-old boy, and that conflict, uh, the same thing you're talking about. I think that the boys are definitely going through the same thing, like wanting to be accepted, um, you know, you're in a new environment, this conflict between mm-hmm. your friends and, and growing that sort of social relationship, but still, at this point, you know, young middle school, still being really attached to your parents, and then that shifting, maybe, so there's so much conflict the other the other thing that this article was mentioning too is that that for boys specifically this pressure to be like a typical uh boy like uh athletic and like uh without lacking emotion right like you're really never supposed to cry and and that there's a place for like our standard these days is for one specific type of male and anybody that doesn't fit that sort of like alpha male structure is not as valued and that that starts to appear in middle school.
1: Yeah. And I, I tell the girls in the classes, like you guys got to cut these boys some slack, you know, like they're struggling as well. Like I call them, I say, when you, you take a boy that's either making fun of you or doesn't know if he likes you. I'm like, you, you put, you give him an opportunity to go in a room full of Legos and kind of retreat back to him being small, like he's in heaven, you know? And that's just because he's not, that's kind of where he's left at emotionally. Like, you know, and I don't know where that, that, I don't know for parenting, like, and I don't have a boy, so I don't, I I don't want to know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I feel like, but you know more than me, but like, there's that gap there of like, they don't know how to maybe a parent or even the boy, like how to, beyond that like when when that play stops right and if they you're like you said they don't fit into the mold of uh, like a skater or like they're athletic or you know what i mean so it's it's um it's confusing for them i don't know if you've seen i think when we talked a couple months ago we had talked briefly about that documentary the mask you live in i don't know if you ever watched that
0: um i actually have not watched that yet but i'll put a link to
1: that in the show notes as well yeah, that is really profound. And I think it's not even, it's almost like a best kept secret. It's, it's just about these boys, they go to school and they have to wear this mask of being tough and to suck it up. And like you said, fit a mold and, or fit into a certain mold and, and um, be disrespectful and talk back. And, and that's what's expected of them. But if you take off that mask, they have feelings, they have emotions, they want to cry, they have trouble at home. Right. They have pressure, certain pressure Mm -hmm. and uh, really unveiling that. And it's very powerful. I I, uh, recommend anybody who has a son, even late elementary, middle, high school, watch it now.
0: Absolutely. So how do you how do you feel like this sort of lack of emotional availability, maybe for boys specifically? But how do you feel like maybe uh, not being able to access your emotions is affecting boys and girls today?
1: Um, I would say social media. How can you emotionally be in tune with who you are when you're one person on social, on, you know, on, on Instagram or Snapchat, and then you're another person when you're walking through the hallways and sitting in a classroom.
0: Or you're being a type of person that you think you need to be to get likes or whatever.
1: Right. You know, and there's stuff that you'll say in a text that you won't say to somebody's face. Oh yeah. You know, and I think we're kind of guilty of that as well. Like we can so easy to behind, hide behind that phone or that computer and your feelings already can't, like if you're not in touch with them or you're not accepting them or you're running away from them, like how can you, in your quiet moments, how can you figure out what you're feeling about what you know, and then you, and then you jump on your, your social or your, your, your apps. And it's like, you're bombarded, you know, like you're supposed to be happy for someone who's maybe on a trip or maybe has more followers than you. And, but instead you walking away, you're walking away feeling insecure and you have anxiety and depression. And I'm sure you've read articles about that, you know, even us. Uh, which is stressful, man. It's so stressful for them. It 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 it's talked about so much in my classes of of just that doubt as a person.
0: Yeah, I you know there's another article that I'll have to link to that I think I shared on Boys Build Better that's talking about that, like that the pressures of social media, and also talking about how there was an example like if somebody. Um, had taken a picture of somebody spilling something, you know, 20 years ago. Or well, so sorry, sorry, if you were in the lunchroom and you spilled your milk all over you 20 years ago, like that would have been a horrible moment, but but yes. the only people that would have seen it would have been the people in that lunchroom or the people just in your corner of the lunchroom and you would have been able to go home and forget about it. But today, if somebody happens to have their phone out, there's a video and in 5th period people are laughing and looking at you and you go home and people are laughing and looking at you and so that that things sort of hang around more than they ever did before and those sometimes those things are you know not so nice and and you have to kind of keep dealing with them versus them just going away
1: right and the humiliation yeah like the constant humiliation that you feel and the shame for making a simple mistake mm-hmm. you know and sometimes – and I had one girl in the very beginning of the project who had gone through a pretty traumatic experience and, you know, it just took one friend to turn on her mm-hmm. and and she put it out there on Snapchat for everyone to see and she hadn't even stepped foot on campus and the whole – everybody knew within yeah. a matter of hours. And, I mean, I I think that de- – I mean, that's kind of what brought her to the class and and she – I don't know if you get over that. I mean, you, there's ways to work through it, but that, that is something like, so when you think of that girl, that's, that's the first thing you think of, Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's tragic for them. And, and, uh, like you said, like, you know, you don't, you, before you don't, if you didn't get invited to a party, you didn't know about it till Monday. Now, you know, within 30 seconds.
0: Right. And you're thinking about it all weekend and... Yeah. No, I, I, social media for my kids terrifies me. I, my oldest is 12 and he's asked, he's asked in passing to, but he says, oh, come on, mom, you know, everybody has it. And, and luckily enough, I, you know, recently I've said, oh, well, we're not ready. We're not there yet. And he just kind of then forgets about it. But for him, he, I mean, he is 12, he's in middle school and he actually, um, one of the, like the reasons why I wanted to talk to you and do this show is that Last year, during a terrible year of school, he wound up being diagnosed with moderate depression. And this was at 11, right? So I don't think that he, he certainly doesn't have the capability to handle anything like that. So at this point, as long as I can, I'm avoiding it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I definitely would avoid it. I mean, and, and, and my daughter's not, you know, she just like your son, like since a small age too, she's always been sucked into like you know, when she had the Nintendo DS and even when baby Einstein videos came out and she's always kind of been drawn to that. And so, so she has to constantly monitor it and take step backs because like you said, she does, she has high anxiety and whenever she's off, that's my first go-to with her Mm -hmm. is like, well, what have you been taking in? Again, I tell the girls that like you are what you take in. Okay. So of course, you're going to be walking around with your head and boys too. You're going to be walking around with your head down because you just took all of that in. You have a choice if you, if you want to take that in. So I give them challenges of like, can you go without a week? You know, and it's like asking them to cut off their arm.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You are what you take in. I've never heard it worded before like that, especially when it comes to emotional well-being. So I love that.
1: Yeah, you are what you take in, you are who you're with. Like, you know, when when we talk specifically on the feeling of sadness, like, well, what are you listening to? Well, I'm listening to, to you know, this. I'm like, well, that is sad music. So, <laughs> what do you want to put on? Like, you are what you listen to, right? So, it's like, well, well, yeah, maybe something a little bit more jolly. And I'm not saying that music is bad. I mean, you know, but I, but at that moment when you're sad, like you can have the option of putting on something a little bit more upbeat.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's what, why, what you're doing is so great or, or just talking about it is so great is that it, these are lessons that, that you just might not learn, you know, that you need to help to get a lesson like, Hey, well, if you're feeling down, maybe try, looking at something else or listening to something else because what you're what you're giving to yourself might actually be making it worse. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, how else could be I mean, I think that's great, a great way that a parent can support this kind of emotional growth. Mm-hmm. But how else can parents be supporting this now?
1: Emotional health? Yes. I would say right now, like in the middle school years, especially towards the end of seventh eighth grade no matter your family dynamic if you're close with your parents or your grandparents or your blended family all the families are look different but they're starting to individualize themselves right and they're trying it's normal it's the it's it's a healthy process I have to remind myself of that as a mom and I'm sure you do too like no this is part of it's hard right letting go a little yeah Letting go a little, I think so often parents put their fears and anxiety on their kids. Uh, I've seen it with several of the girls and I'm just as to blame as having one, only one daughter and seeing her grow and mature and getting her license here soon. But, but, uh, and so they put that guilt or that fear on their child, they'll come back like, no, like, and they don't know how to separate yet. And so I think they don't they can't, they're kind of worried about their parents, but then they're yet, they're separating themselves. And I think really allowing that space for them, whether it, whatever their safe place is, right. Whether it's in their room or a closet or outside and letting them just feel what they need to feel, creating a safe space and long and short of it, like creating a safe space. Cause we all want that for our kids and for them to just, whether that, they ha- have their time in their room with their journal or their music. And because, uh, you know, and you know, you have a middle schooler, like their, their emotions can be within five minutes, there could be four different emotions. You know, they can't keep up with, they're happy and then they're, they feel like they're disappointing you. And then they're mad because they didn't, they have to leave their fortnight and do their math, <laughs> math, right? Like, so...
0: Well, and what about is there any more? I think that that's great, too, to give them give them that space. And it is hard as a parent as your child's growing, because, you know, if I'm reading about my 12 year old and where he's at emotionally right now, that that we are at a time where he is going to start to pull away. And that's normal Mm and expected. And that's typical for development. But it is hard as a parent to kind of go, oh, God, here he goes. I know. (laughs) Um, But or even that time where he does he he does enjoy time alone. And and I need I need to that's good for me to remember, too, because I actually learned this about myself, I think, (laughs) uh, is that I actually need some time alone to be okay too. And I really value my own time alone. And I think he's sort of like that. and, And to be able to respect that is probably a good reminder for me.
1: We underestimate like the introvert extrovert. And so my daughter, she's so, uh, I don't know if your son's this way, but like, she's loves being around people at school. She thrives off the energy and, and she's got her little groups and she goes around, but when she gets home, she's like exhausted because she is truly an introvert. Yeah. Like, so she has to have that time, like to be home and to be in her room and to check out like, and, but there's a fine line there, right? I don't, I don't want her to isolate. Oh, yeah. I don't, you know, especially now when she's a teenager and she should be out and having fun. But really, I think that's so important as parents checking in with your kids, figuring figuring out even those little things like, well, maybe she is, you know, an introvert. Like maybe I'm reading it wrong or maybe I think something's wrong with her. But really, this is just her met, her makeup and this is who she is and um, letting them be if they need that time. Absolutely. Any other
0: sort of types of emotional tools as parents we should know about or we should be teaching?
1: Definitely a safe space. I think there's d- ways to communicate with your child, kind of uh, checking in. I think as parents, I don't know about you, but for me, like we want to fix it. So they tell us what's wrong and we come up with, or they're sitting there half asleep because we were just giving them a hundred suggestions mm-hmm. on like, try this. I mean, they just want us to listen. And I find that as a mom and even in my classes, they just want you to listen and not judge. And yeah, I mean, obviously they need, you know, sometimes I'll ask my, my daughter, I'm like, do you, do you, is this something you just want me to listen to? Or are you wanting me to give you feedback? And she's pretty good about like, mom, I just need you to listen, you know? And so I think even asking that question, like, Well, how can I help you in this moment? Are you wanting me to listen or are you wanting me to give you some feedback? Mom, I just need you to listen. And so I I can't imagine for you even communicating with your sons, right, about like – because I'm sure it's harder for them to open up. I don't know, you know, but –
0: well, and that's sort of why I reached out to you to kind of chat about some this episode specifically because I feel like that is something I've been thinking a lot about and I feel like there's two parts. There's this this part recognizing what we just talked about which is that there are these emotions that that they may be struggling to deal with, or they may be struggling with sort of what society is placing on them. So there's all of that or social media or bullying and all of that, like, so there's this whole huge landscape of emotions. But then the other piece, um, which is how this kind of conversation came about was that I did read something. And again, I'll see if I can find this article, most of the stuff I've shared on Boys Built Better. So if you don't like uh, me on Facebook, then check out Boys Built Better on Facebook, because <laughs> I have a bunch of articles up there. Um, but I'll, I will try and put them in the show notes. But it was about I, it was something that I read that really struck me um, about connecting with your child. And that if you if you want to continue to have a positive relationship with your child, it, middle school and beyond. So, the years where they start to separate, that you need to be willing to drop all of the how is school today? Where's your homework? Like, did you write in your planner today? Because, and you need to be willing to connect with them and that that needs to be the most important thing. And I agree.
1: I agree. Absolutely.
0: Well, and I, that really was like a mirror to me because I thought, Oh, gosh, I am not doing that. I, my son, my middle school son, has this habit right now of walking in from the bus saying, Hi, Mom. Bye, Mom. And he thinks it's funny. We, You know, we laugh about it because he wants to go straight out and play with his friends. and And we're really excited about that because that is all new. He's changed schools. He's got a great social network right now. And we are so thrilled about that. But also, we want to make sure that his schoolwork is getting done. So what I was doing was, well, did you write in your planner today? I need to see your planner. Would you have any homework? You know, like, so he the first thing he would get from me, when he walked in was, blah, you know, here's all of this stuff that has nothing to do with like our relationship, like, right. And, and that really struck me. And it was and I kind of wanted to talk, kind of transition this conversation into, If you want to be able to help your child with their emotions, that, that a piece of that, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, is maintaining a relationship and a connection with your child outside of all of this other stuff that we have to kind of keep tabs on as a parent.
1: Yes. Yeah. You mean like, as far as bombarding them with, did you do this? What about that? Did you finish this? Did you do that? Is that what you mean? Oh Yeah. yeah.
0: That, that the, the relationship needs to be about more than that.
1: Yeah, I think we overwhelm them when we do that. Um, I I think it comes down to so much. I think we underestimate like expectations, like communicating that with our child or our teen. Of like, so for me, I'm like, Ella, I just need two minutes just to check in. So I call it a check in. Mm-hmm. Like I need two, like a two minute check in of like, what do you have? You know, usually that will be, um, every day, but I will do a bulk of that before the week starts. So she knows on Sunday evening for about 15, 20 minutes, we do a check-in of like what's going on for the week. Then I'm not on her. Right. You know, but if you do have a child with ADD or ADHD or even high anxiety, high stress high um, that, that it's, 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 I think it's different for every parent, but I, I think, that's why it's so important to have expectations like i know you have a lot acknowledging i know you have a lot but these are also things that, that we need to we need to do together or so that i know how i can help you or when to back off or when you know cuz we are just on them all the time it's exhausting for both of them it's exhausting for them and it's exhausting for us right
0: and i think we have more of that my son needs me, my oldest needs me to be, well, I feel like I need to check in with him more because he does have a tendency to lose some things or miss an assignment. So, you know, I want to stay on top of that school piece, but I am just trying right now to remember that the connection needs to happen first before I go into all of the other things that have to be done.
1: Yeah. And that's a good point. Like checking in with them emotionally, right? Like maybe they going back earlier, but like maybe they didn't get invited to a party or maybe he didn't get invited to go to the skate park or maybe he didn't get invited to, you know what I mean? And like that could throw them to where, how can they focus on studying or how can they focus on putting the paper in the right folder? You're so like spot on about connecting with them emotionally. Cause I, I, that's what I believe. I believe if like, at least for my daughter, Ella, Checking with her in her emotionally, I feel like she does better with everything else. That's just for me, though. Like I know she does better uh, if I know where she's at or she can convey where she's at emotionally, everything kind of follows suit, like her schoolwork, um, her what she's what's expected of her at home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think we overlook that because we just get caught up in the everyday stuff, right? right. Practice. Uh, music performances, resi- all of that. <laughs> yeah, we, especially we right were, now.
0: Like, I feel like that's all we're doing right now. So we got to make I concert should... tonight. Like, get your
1: homework yeah. done. We gotta go. Yes. Teacher gifts. All of it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is, it's interesting that that story reminded me of something that happened last week with my middle son, actually, who was told in the beginning of the day that he had to redo a homework assignment. That, that he didn't complete it um, in a manner that was, like, satisfactory to the teacher. Yes. And he was told that in the morning. And then at three, when I picked him up, he said to me with tears he started to cry, like, Mom, I have to do this homework thing again. And he was so upset about it. And he felt embarrassed. And I mean, it it turned into like a whole afternoon of drama. But I just felt like, wow, like, that I'm not sure he learned anything today because at 8 a.m. he was told he had to do this homework again. And at 3 p.m. it was the first thing out of his mouth and he started crying. And so, and, and this is, he, you know, his emotions are a struggle for him. And so I know that he had to keep a lid on this all day long. And I just felt like, oh, God, that kills me that that I know that he spent the entire day thinking about this. And oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, in that instance, in that day, it's going to be a struggle to even get all of the other stuff done and that that connection needs to happen. So let's
1: talk shifting. about always let, shifting, right? right. Like, you, like shifting your focus or sh- like foregoing certain things um, that were like, because you know, we're so schedule based, especially as moms, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, that's just going to have to forego today because this is priority, which is so hard to do. So she can have multiple kids like you.
0: Yeah, I still struggle with that. Because really, what my son needed was for me to say, don't worry about it. We're not going to do it. Mm. I'm going to, you know, we're going to talk to the teacher. We're going to tell her that this was a really that that you understand that you didn't do it and next time you get the same assignment it will be done differently. He that he would have responded much better to that. He would have yeah. he has he has done that with different assignments in the past, like, hey, just a warning, I want you to do it this way this time and he will come home and say, Oh mom, we have to I have to really do this a lot a, a lot better in a different way and that type of what I realized is that type didn't didn't that type of discipline didn't work for him at all, and and in fact probably hindered his academics. But but I do struggle as a parent for like what's that line for me to call that teacher and say we're not doing it. It's not. Yeah. It's not. And that that is probably something I need to get better at is being able to um, advocate for my child in that way. But it's such a fine line between being sort of like that parent that's causing a problem or yes. like also teaching your child like that really sucks, but this is life. And, Uh you know, you're going to have to redo it. I will. Well, and
1: that, that, I mean, we could probably have a whole different podcast on just like Ella's in charge, our kids are in charge of them, right? That's ultimately what I want to teach my daughter. Like, so if you messed up and with an assignment or you let somebody down, like you have to take ownership of that and you have to take care of it, Right? right? Like, Whether you're disappointing someone or, or you've made someone sad or like really owning their part in that, like, and for them to feel that, I think we, we, again, something I'm guilty of that I really try to work on. Like I could go around and fix things for her, but what, why am I, that's not the point of this. Mm -hmm. I would be, I would be doing her, her a disservice. You know, I'm saying as she gets older, like, yeah, like like, well, you didn't contribute to the group project and they took the slack. So that that's on you, Ella. You got to make it right. I'm not going to go and email parents.
0: Right. And you know what? That seems to be, that is definitely a shift that happened for us here when my son got into middle school is that I'm really working on hands off. I mean, I've contacted parents, yeah. or teachers a few times and vice versa, but really it's like, well, you're going to need to go ask your teacher or you're going to need to go tell your friend that you made a mistake or you're sorry, or they need to give you a second chance. And I do think that's another sort of like thing that gets piled on in middle school.
1: (laughs) Yes, I know. Right. There's so much coming at them. There's so much coming at them. Like I sometimes tell the girls, I'm like, you know what? The fact that you were able to get up, get ready, knowing knowing what your day is going to be like, like just sit in that and acknowledge that that's a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because sometimes it's just easier to stay in bed, but you guys are fighters. Like you're here. You know, what's coming at you, you know, you know, the challenges ahead and you're, you got up and got dressed and tried your best to come to school with a good attitude, you know? And, um, I think they need more credit for that, boys included, like, not that we need to have a party for them, (laughs) but just that like, no, look at like, you're doing it. I think just acknowledging you're doing it. Like life is like, life can be hard sometimes and it can be, it can be heartbreaking, but we're, we're, you're, we're doing it together, you know? And, and we so often want to fix and at least for my daughter go and just cause she's had so much pain and heartbreak in her life. And, and I'm like, no, like she's building strong character from this. Like I have to yeah. believe that, right? Like yeah. she's building, she's resilient and she's a warrior and she's strong and she's gonna, I'm, she's learning empathy and compassion and letting them find that. And and that's kind of really what the purpose of the project is. I mean, it is very emotionally, a lot of emotional tools of how to work through your emotions, but, but really like the purpose of while you're doing that is for you to be in touch with yourself and for you to know it's okay. But for you to also like have this awareness for other people, because we're all just a bunch of humans walking around with everyone's sad, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone gets disappointed or gets left out or not invited or all of those things. But that, that um, there's other people feeling the same way you are. Yeah. <laughs> There's other people that are insecure on Instagram. You're not the only person. Right.
0: Like, like I, it's me too. I feel
1: insecure yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel insecure on Facebook. I don't have enough people. Right. You know,
0: <laughs> or I have people where I'm like, gosh, that. I cannot continue to follow this person. Like they, this is not healthy for me because I, it brings up all these other random emotions. So I just need to hide that.
1: I know. I know. And we, and it's like, well, you know, and most likely they didn't do anything wrong, but it's like, it just what it brings out in you. Totally. You know, and totally. as women, again, another, we could have another podcast, but like we just compare like, well, I don't, wow. I, my husband didn't get me that. I know. <laughs> Like. My daughter didn't make the honor roll. Right. My son didn't win his
0: soccer game. <laughs> exactly. It's funny.
1: Also, she's always picked last. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. I just feel like, oh, man, that, yeah, that, that, that takes a lot of, um, uh, Uh, emotional competence, I guess, though, because I feel like I'm only now understanding it. And it's, I mean, I guess it's because social media has sort of developed over the past Mm -hmm. um, decade or so. So for a long time, it was just really exciting. And now I feel like for me personally, I am now finally understanding how those things make me feel and how I can cope myself, which yes. to me feels like that, that's a big feat as an adult. So as an, as a child, that, that the whole thing still, like I said before, is just terrifying to me. Um, I wanted to kind of talk about, move on to kind of talking about like, if you are acknowledging that you need to connect with your child, then, then at that point, how can you utilize that connection to just kind of grow their own mental health? And you, you talked a little bit about it. Um and I thought what you said was really great. So I just kind of want to revisit yeah. like what are other ways that we can make sure that our children are feeling acknowledged and feeling heard?
1: Um I th- I think allowing them to feel however they need to feel but conveying that there's constructive and productive ways to do that. Uh-huh. Right? And again, not taking it personal. It's so hard as a parent not to take it personal, right? you know, and I know you're angry, but, you know, and again, putting up boundaries too, like, but please do, or do not take it out on me. Right. Here are some things you can do if you're angry on, you want to, you know, and you can list a couple of things. Like, I know you're sad and, but you know, like, and I know you're crying, but maybe just have some space, have some time in your room or do you want to go for a walk? Or for me, like I kind of know when my daughter's sad, like these are the kind of couple things that help her. Luckily for us, we live kind of, you know, we live by the ocean. So I know taking her down there, even if she walks or I can see her, you know, now she's older, but going a walk or she has her wetsuit, she gets in the water and that helps. And, and like you said, like connecting with them, but it really, it takes some time and effort to to tap into that, like, well, this will help my son. I think this will help him when he's sad, but really like, I think just allowing them to feel like, and it's so hard. Cause like I said, we want to fix it, but, um, that it's okay. That, that, that it, they're really embracing those parts of them that really like, that make up who we are. And, um, sometimes, you know, I tell my daughter, like, sometimes like, when we're sad, uh, it's just better to hug it back. If we're depressed, just you know, I've I've dealt with depression since I was 16, and um, I'm very open about that with my girls and 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 my life. Like, but the best thing for me to do is just to hug it back, you know, because we want to run away, we run away, we want to run away from feelings that are uncomfortable for us. And it's just better, I think, just to hug it back and go, okay, I'll stay here with you.
0: Explain that a little bit more. Like, what does hug it back mean to
1: you? Hug it back means I'm accepting that I'm... Sorry, I keep using the emotion sad, but um, I I think that's so often how we feel, especially with the social media and the pressure we kind of put upon us. That that's just a kind of a go to feeling, sure. At least for a lot of girls. But really, like, okay, I'm sad. I'm just going to hug you back, and and I'm not saying stay there, but like for a long period of time. But like, hug it back and know that that this is just temporary and it's going to be okay. And I know that if I journal or I, or I play my instrument or I reach out to someone that those are, that, that is something that that is a way that I'm working through the sadness. Mm -hmm. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. So, so in a way, are you saying like we need to, uh, what I kind of heard or what I interpreted you say is that, that to be able that that feeling that is important too like to be to allow yourself to be sad and to to sort of be have that emotion not just like shove it down or you know ignore it or push it away that that that's a piece of how um just humans need to deal with with their all of the emotions that we have is to sort of let them be sometimes <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I know anger is a big one. Uh, I'm not, that's, I don't know if I want to hug that one back, but I know that if I go on a long run or if I, I tell the girls there's an exercise we do where we tear paper and talk about each emotion and saying it out loud, I'm angry about, you know, I'm scared about and tearing that like, um, or, you know, yelling underwater go jump in your pool, yell underwater, fill up the bathtub, yell underwater, Mm -hmm. you know, like different ways. I mean, there's several that I give them uh, tools to use when they're angry. But when, again, like going back to sadness, which is, I think the most, at least all the girls I've worked with, that's the feeling that always comes up the most. And I think when you, one of the reasons I say to hug it back and feel that is because then when you're around others that are sad, you know exactly what that feels like, which leads to being more empathetic and compassionate and really like not just for others, but then towards yourself. Mm-hmm. Like we so hard on ourselves, women, like men, like we're so hard on ourselves. Like we stepping back and like j- just having that compassion for who we are as a person, I think is huge too. So
0: what are some other strategies, I think? Because I think that, that those were a few good strategies for kind of how to help your kids or even yourself deal with big emotions. Are there other strategies that we as parents should know?
1: Um, I'll probably, once we get off this podcast, I'll be like, oh, I, I didn't tell her five things. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's so many resources for parents and teens and families that we don't tap into, whether it be, uh, you know, counseling, family counseling, um, uh, family unity. And I know we talked briefly about, uh, teens separating and individualizing themselves, but really like my mom used to always tell me, like, I know that maybe these things are boring to you, but this is when you need me the most. And at Mm -hmm. the time I didn't understand, I was like, whatever, I just want to go and hang out with my friends or I want to, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be around you and dad and my sister, but really that's when I, she was always there. I mean, and I think just being constant for your kids, you know, and there's a way to do that if you're a working full-time family and there's a way to do that if you're a stay at home mom, like just being constant, being there and family dinners, right. And, and family outings and I know life is busy and hectic and I can't imagine with three boys and but but even just having one girl like it, it, it's so hard like just finding ways for us to connect I think is so important too. And I don't know if you've heard of the book uh The 5 Love Languages. And have you heard of that book? Hi, I feel
0: like maybe I've heard of it, but that's the extent of my knowledge.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, Oh gosh, every, if you could put a link on this too, I don't know. Yeah, if, sure. Uh, with your articles, but it's the la- the five love languages of kids. Mm-hmm. And I read, must've read that four or five times when I was uh, writing my curriculum just because um, it's so important to, we're all loved differently, right? So you could, let's just say your son's, there's five love languages. It's quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and uh, physical touch mm-hmm. okay so the way maybe you love your son is hugging him but but and touching him you're like but the way he feels loved is having quality time with his mom okay maybe once a week going to starbucks or once a week taking him to I, whatever he, I'm not saying play Fortnite with him. I mean, I guess you could do that. But. I tried once. I'm <laughs> terrible at it. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, uh, Actually, maybe that's not true because I think I tried and I got so overwhelmed. I just gave the controller back to my
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I don't know how you do this. Um, but, but so for my daughter, she feels loved and cared and connected with me when I give her quality time. Yeah. Right. So once a week, and that's not my phone's out, and that's just us like going on a walk, going to the going um to Starbucks, like going down to the water together, um and then it trickles down to my other relationships, yeah you know my my niece and my nephew, my i friendships like and so. Or maybe your other son is you're telling him words of affirmation, like, great job, buddy. Like, good job. Like, but his is physical touch. Right. So I I will totally
0: look at that because I am thinking. So a couple of days ago, my middle son and I um, went to Target together. Yeah. And it was just he and I. His younger brother was at a birthday party. His older brother was at Friends. And it started out with he had some allowance that he wanted to spend, mm-hmm. um, which I was reluctant to let him do because Christmas is right around the corner Well, when we're recording this. and But I let him go anyway because his brother was at a birthday party. He was sort of feeling jealous. And we wound up having the best time together yes. at Target. Now, what what had wound up happening is earlier that day I'd been wrapping presents and realized that I really needed to get um, a little something for for my youngest. And I told my my 10-year-old, like, hey, I really need a present, like, yeah. that's going to go under the tree for Christmas. Now, if I am ruining that, you know, surprise for you Christmas morning, tell me that. But if not, you know, would you help me shop? Yeah. And we just wound up having such a great time together that it's making me think, hearing you talk, like, wow, his thing might be quality time, (laughs) but now I'm also listening to you thinking, wow, I have no idea what my oldest or my youngest is. So I'll totally check out that book. Thank you for that.
1: Oh my gosh. And watch, like watch them. If you're intentional with that, of you figuring out what you think it is. And then I think, I think in the book, I don't have it in front of me, but there's a quiz that you can do with the boys. Okay. Um, and then they are figuring it out, too. And just watch the transformation. Huh. I mean, my sister and I had these conversations about her son is quality time as well. And she told me one—this has been last year. They had this really great dinner together. And she was like, he was like a different kid for a month. Right. Just from that one dinner. All right. And and um, I don't know. I, I think we—even just those small ways of connecting with them, We we— as parents, we're constantly searching. But even just the simplicity of that is we underestimate it. We feel like we have to go big, <laughs> you know, and yeah. we don't have to. So,
0: right. And then that's a great I feel like that's a great kind of thought to kind of leave everybody with is that you don't have to go big that, you know, that these ideas that connecting with your kids are sort of those are the 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 foundation stones for their own well-being moving forward. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Amber, for chatting <laughs> with me. How can listeners find out more about the Kaleidoscope Project and and everything that you're doing? Thank you
1: for having me. I was excited to be on here. I would love talking with you. Um, God, I think it's been a couple months ago, but yeah. Uh, so they can go. They can go to uh, mykaleidoscopeproject.org. Um, our, our mission statements on there, our our heart behind what we're doing is on there. Uh, we just, um, partnered with a local, um, university and we finished our workbook. I've been working on this workbook and that finished. So that's a really big, exciting thing for the project. And the girls are piloting that as during these class series, the class series we have now. And, and, um, again, like coming back to less is more. You know, as much as I want to grow this project and bring it all over, like I am, I am overwhelmed with the simplicity of keeping it at my schools in Simi Valley, because the difference that it is making within the classes and them individually is, is huge. And I don't want to lose that. So anyway. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks again, Amber. This is great.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me and happy, and Merry Christmas and happy new year.
0: Thanks again for listening to today's episode. I'm really glad you're here. We are working on growing this podcast for the new year. So if you like it, share it with your friends. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. All of those things help to build our audience. You can find the show notes for today's episode on www.boysbuiltbetter.com. And thanks for listening.